Surprise, we're doing another Ashley Poston book. We had to. <laughs> we had a long discussion about it. Actually, it wasn't that long, but... We had a brief discussion about it that basically we were in a time crunch because Abigail is moving into a house. They we, bought a house. We bought a house. And I was like, well, what we could do is just talk about the book you're already reading. <laughs> Which is what happened. <laughs> Which we're not complaining, really. But here we are again. So. Here we are again, talking about Ashley Poston again, like almost exactly a year after we did The Dead Romantics. It's I like know. pretty close. I think it was August. I think so, too. It, yeah. was, it was one of our earlier ones. So go back and listen to that episode. We both cry. Yeah. Yeah. And our and fr- friend of the pod, Sophie, our friend Sophie, is currently reading The Dead Romantics. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. she know. okay? No. <laughs> I asked her about it yesterday, and she was like, I cried. I was like, Ooh, yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. yep, yep. Yep. So I forced that one on her. I she, hope she makes it through. She has lent me every Sarah J. Mass Mass Mass? I don't even know. The TikTokers say Mass, but Do that they? feels weird because there's two A's. M A A S feels like it should be Moss. I would think so. I don't know. Someone tell us. Regardless, you know who I'm talking about, but Sarah, uh, uh, Sophie lent me all of those books, and I was like, here's the dead romantics in return. (laughs) (laughs) Here's three feet of books. Here's one book. Exactly. Exactly. So we're talking about the seven year slip today, which is Ashley Poston's newest book. And this book just really, I, I love the dead romantic so much. Everyone knows this already. But, you know, like, you can't really decide you're all in on an author until you read more than one of their books. Mm-hmm. And this book just really, like, confirmed that I am Ashley Poston's biggest fan. Yes. This one, for me, I think I enjoyed the dead romantics more. But mm-hmm. that's not to say I did not enjoy this one either. Yeah. So. Agreed. I loved The Dead Romantics. I really, really liked this. I still enjoyed The Dead Romantics more and I prefer it, but this was delightful and like really spiritually similar to the other book we just read, Mrs. Nash's Ashes. Yes. Super similar. Yes. This time it, well, we, another dead old lady. Mm -hmm. What else? Oh, I was thinking about the way Ashley Poston writes place Mm, mm -hmm. she's so so good at like setting the scene Mm -hmm. and i feel like mrs nash's ashes had a lot of that like really good rich description as well like at the funky little bed and breakfast and like there was there were it there were parallels in the sort of like writing styles in terms of description and and Mm -hmm. stuff like that for me I really liked seeing Ashley Poston write about New York mm-hmm. in this book versus Dead Romantics, which is like small town South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Like I really liked reading about New York, a place I've only been to twice and have like no interest in living in. But seeing it from Clementine's perspective as somebody who lives there full time when she's like talking about her day to day life and mm-hmm. like dodging the tourists and like where she likes to go. Like that was really nice. It was like a change of pace from Dead Romantics, which was a more like quiet, slow setting yeah we read so many like so many romance novels so many books in general are set in new york city and a lot of them can be very like in your face Mm -hmm. new york city and this was just like new york city just happens to be the place that this thing is happening in right which i did really appreciate because i don't need another book about 
New York. Exactly. Like, I don't need New York City to be a character no. in the book. It can just be the place that it's happening. It can just be a city. Yeah. As it is. Yeah, but I but I really love I really love the way Ashley Poston can can set a scene and describe, you know, the inside of the apartment, the mm-hmm. inside of even like the inside of the like publisher mm-hmm. office that she works at. Like it's just all and I'm not really one of those people that like really nerds out on like, oh yeah, let's spend some real time describing a place. Usually yeah. I'm like, get on with it. But I want Ashley Poston to describe everything in my life <laughs> describe this office right now and actually she would be like it needs to be cleaned <laughs> vacuum the floor katie <laughs> this is also the plug for if you have not read mrs nash's ashes you mm-hmm. absolutely should mm-hmm. and then go listen to our episode about it i know it wasn't like a super popular release but we fucking loved it it should be yeah go go read that book if you're here for a seven year slip as you should be you know yeah. Listen to this and then go read yeah. the other book. Go read Mrs. Nash's Ashes. And then go follow Sarah Adler on Instagram because we're besties with her now, apparently. Oh, yeah. We love her. Yeah. Our, our BFF now. Our BFF. <laughs> yeah, we exchanged some DMs. The first time that we know of that an author has Listen. listened to the episode about their book. Yeah. She sent us some really lovely messages about our episode. And so hopefully... We will hear from her soon. Exactly. Yeah, we're hoping we're hoping to get her on the pod to talk about Jose Napoleoni's backstory. He apparently has a rich backstory. This is all we care about. In her brain. <laughs> and I want to hear it from her. She said that it was like a gritty noir film, which I was like, yes. <laughs> like, write that spinoff book, please. One of my, like, favorite one-off jokes to make occasionally is just, like, making er, about stupid things that need a gritty reboot. And so Jose Napoleone's is absolutely one that needs a gritty reboot. For on, sure. Like, HBO. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> the Last of Us, yeah. Jose Napoleone's. I was just about to say that. Okay. Do we want to read the blurb for Seven Year Slip? Do you want to sure. do it or do you want me to? I can read the blurb. Okay. So this is the blurb for Seven Year Slip by Ashley Poston, which are we still saying that right? No idea. Great. Poston? Poston? Poston feels most right. Yes. We need to find that YouTuber who just reads names, but I doubt they've made it to this side of contemporary. Maybe. Anyway. Sometimes the worst day of your life happens and you have to figure out how to live after it. For Clementine West, that means burying her head in her work as a book publicist, being practical, and forgetting the silly things her beloved aunt Annalie taught her, like living wide and chasing the moon. Clementine would rather stay grounded and keep her heart safe. For the last six months, she's done just that. But when she moves into her late aunt's apartment and finds a strange man standing in the kitchen, a man with kind eyes, a southern drawl, and a taste for lemon pies, her well-laid plans begin to fall apart because he's the type of man who, before it all, she would have fallen head over heels for, and she still might, except he exists in the past, seven years in the past to be exact, and she quite literally lives seven years in his future. Her aunt always said the apartment was a pinch in time, a place where moments blended like watercolors. She also said that love is never a matter of time, but a matter of timing, and Clementine fears she may just be seven years too late. I don't know if she would have fallen for this man previously. I don't think so. I think I was thinking about that this morning. And I I think that's kind of the whole idea of the book. Yeah. Yeah. This blurb feels inaccurate. Yeah. As they all do. Yeah. 
Um, so I was just Googling how to pronounce this man's name. <laughs> and I think it's Ewan, which is what I was. Ah, shit. Originally. Well, there's like, that's the like bastardized, Americanized version. Yeah. There's like a Welsh version that there's no way I'm going to be able to pronounce. Let, let me. Let's see. Ewan. That's how I read it. Hang on. There's also Ewan. I guess let's go with Ewan. Well, that's a relief because that's how I read it the entirety of the book. Although Ewan. E- Ewan. Okay. Great. Ewan. Okay, shut up. <laughs> Ewan. Ewan. <laughs> okay. I told you I feel crazy. Katie ran five miles this morning for some ungodly reason. I don't know. I ran like a 5K and then I was like, why not just keep going? <laughs> now my legs hurt. Okay. Anyway, so Clementine is our lead character, which great I name. adore. Ashley Posting, great at place, great at character names. Yes. Florence and then Clementine, great follow up. Love it. Yep. Love it. So Clementine is a book publicist in New York City at like a small press that mostly does like travel. Guides. Mm-hmm. It's like travel guides and cookbooks yeah. and like some nonfiction things. It's like a smaller one. Yeah. Yeah. But they're like, they're like specialty is travel guides. Right. Her aunt has just died. Trigger warning for suicide in this episode mm-hmm. before we get too much further. It doesn't come up until later on in the book, but, and I don't think we're really going to talk about it, but just in case. Yeah. But we do we do find out later on in the book that that's how she died, but not until like more than halfway through. Yes, which was a surprise yeah. for me. I just assumed she was an old lady. An old lady, yeah. And I don't know if we ever find out. We know that she's older. She Okay, we find out like kind of right before that she's in like her late 50s, early 60s. She's yeah. not that old. Yeah. Like she's older, but kind of like. Close to our parents' age, I guess, which like makes sense. Yeah, it's kind. Of, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because she's her. The aunt is her mom's her mom's sister, mm-hmm. and yeah, in my like until that was kind of revealed in my mind, she was like ninety. <laughs> I know, which I don't know why I thought that. I guess maybe it was coming off of Mrs. Nash's ashes, where it's like old lady in an apartment, right? Very old. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought the same thing though. And I maybe I think it's because of like maybe how she's described is mm-hmm. like she has like old lady vibes. She does have big old lady vibes. She's got this blue wingback chair. She's got like this feathered robe mm-hmm. that they'd call like the murder robe or yeah. something, which I love. I want a murder robe. Yeah, like her apartment feels like very funky old lady. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then she's also got like a Jeff Goldblum pillow and. <laughs> Dolly Parton candles. Yeah. Which is this who I want to be as an old lady. Absolutely. We're we're well on our way getting there. Yes. I do have I the sequin pillow that's Jeff Goldblum, mm. I picture it being like my McDreamy one yes. that Ryan got me. Oh my gosh, I forgot you have that. It's like one of those sequin ones that when you like put where you like brush the sequins one way, it's just plain gold and you break it the other brush it the other way and it reveals Yes. It is exactly <laughs> Patrick exact- Dempsey's face. Yeah, it is exactly that one. Yeah. Just with with Jeff Goldblum. Uh, yeah, with Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. So Clementine's aunt has just died, and she has inherited her, like, very – seems like a very old school, old New York building apartment. 
With multiple rooms. With multiple rooms. Big, big, I'm picturing it being like that one girl that we follow on Instagram, Hattie <gasps> Culp or whatever. Yes. I'm picturing it being an apartment like that. Oh my God. I know. The only way I would live in New York. Yep. I'm obsessed with that apartment. And we learn like, like first sort of scene of the book really that allegedly this apartment is magical. Allegedly. Yeah. But Clementine is like, that's just a story that like adults tell kids like it doesn't really send you back seven years in time when it feels like it wants to. Yeah. And so, of course, we know where this book is going from the outset. Yes. And I I don't know how I was picturing this time travel aspect working in the book, but it wasn't like this. I honestly did not spend a lot of time thinking about it before I got into the book because I knew if I did, I would frustrate myself. <laughs> so Yeah, you can't really think too much about the mechanics of time travel. And then later on in the book, I did frustrate myself because I spent more than a couple minutes thinking about it. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those, you got to go into it. No, this is not logical. And like, none of this makes any sense. And you just got to go with it, I guess. Yeah, so. this is not a sci-fi book. This is magical no. realism. I just kept thinking about like, Every time travel, like Avengers movie, where it's like somebody goes back in time and everything mm -hmm. is shit. And I was like, yeah, hmm. It's like in Harry Potter when they time travel and like everything's fine. Almost. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is one that you don't have to, that, you know, the number one rule of time travel is that you shouldn't change anything when you go back in time. But that doesn't, that's not really a problem in this book. Yeah. They don't even like talk about it. Maybe it's because it's contained within the apartment only. Maybe. So how much can you really affect? Well, my biggest question, spoiler alert, but, you know, whatever, you're here, <laughs> is at the end when we get it, it, it fades to black, but when her aunt walks in. Yeah. That's where my biggest question was of, like, could Clementine have, like, said something to prevent what happens? Like, did she want to? I don't know. Like, I just have a big question about that. Or right. You know, we d we don't see like that conversation or that moment. At first, I thought it was going to be her younger self walking into Me the too. apartment, which I was like, "What happens then?" Yeah, which like that's crazy. But if that had happened, then older Clementine would know about the apartment, and this is where my brain starts to break. So, yeah, because then there's also the the fact that apparently, Ewan, our male lead, knew about this the whole time. And is just, like, cool with it. <laughs> he, like, figures it out. Yeah. In, I think, after Clementine's, like, third time going back to the apartment. Yeah. She goes back a total of four times to meet young Ewan. And I think it's after the third time where he's, like, trying to take her out of the apartment. And he just, like, disappears. Yeah. And so does she. And I... And then when they see each other again, he's like, well, that was fucking crazy. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, are you real? And she's like, yeah, so this apartment does this thing. Isn't that wild? And he just, like, accepts it. Yeah. He's just, like, very cool about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. Now I'm starting to... Okay. Let's go in order yeah, we now. Can't, we can't spend too much time about don't, the mechanics of the time travel. Don't think about the time travel. The only the only rule that you that is relevant in this book about the time travel is that the idea is that the apartment sends you back in time seven years when you are in need of its magic in your life, yeah. more or less. I think at some point they say, like, when you're both at a crossroads for, like, whoever's in the apartment seven years ago and whoever lives there now, when you're both at this moment where you 
your life is it. changing in some way or so- or something. Yeah. Or you need your life to change in some way. Right. So the book starts where Clementine has inherited this apartment. She's been slowly moving into it. It's very painful because it obviously looks like her aunt's apartment still. And the book really starts where she is having lunch at this very fancy restaurant with her two friends, Drew and Fiona, who also work at the publishing house. Publishing house? Yeah. And they're trying to woo this hot new chef to come write a cookbook for them. Clementine rushes out, literally runs into a man who is a chef and knocks a dessert out of his hands. They catch it. A a deconstructed lemon pie. A deconstructed lemon pie. Which, sure, whatever. Sounds delicious. I mean, I would eat it, but. I'll eat any version of a lemon pie. The same. And he kind of like looks at her like he knows her. She doesn't know him, but, you know, she leaves. She goes back to work. She also finds out she's about to get this big, giant promotion because her boss is leaving. Mm-hmm. So she's about to become director of publicity or something like that. Yeah. Um. So she's at a crossroads. She's grieving her aunt. She's about to get a promotion. She's going through a breakup, but it's like a low-key breakup. Like yeah. They were together like three months. And she didn't. She didn't really like him. No, it didn't seem like it. <laughs> so they break up. Yeah. Um, I forgot about that, honestly. Yeah. It was, like, so inconsequential. The only reason I remembered it is because I was literally just reading this that, like, yesterday because I've been trying mm-hmm. to – because I read this book back in June when it came out mm-hmm. and you read it this week. And so I've been trying to, like, speed through it and I only got, like, 60% of the way through. Yeah. But so, so I read the first part of the book, like, within the last 24 uh, yes. hours. So one day she goes home to her apartment and, surprise, it has slipped her back in time. She is napping on the couch or sleeping on the couch. She's asleep on the couch for some reason. Shit, now I have a question about that, but I'm not going to think about it. Where it's like she goes to her apartment. It looks like how it is when she's, like, moved into it. Oh, no. 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 You're right. She just didn't notice? She must have, it must have been really dark or something. Yeah, and she just collapsed on the couch. Yeah, she just like lays on the couch and is like asleep. And I guess Ewan isn't there. Like maybe he's out getting groceries or I don't know. Yeah. And so he like shakes her awake and she, her only defense is this Jeff Goldblum pillow. Yes. (laughs) And she's like weirdly very cool about it. Like, she freaks out for, like, a few minutes, but then she's just like, oh, the apartment's doing the thing. Yeah. I guess she accepts it. Yeah. And so, like, he explains that, like, he's subleasing the apartment from her aunt while her aunt is, like, traveling around Europe. And we learn that it's, like, what, like, the summer after Clementine graduated college and they're Mm -hmm. doing this big Europe trip. And so... Seven years ago, Clementine is in Europe. Yes. With the aunt. And Ewan is in the apartment. But Ewan also knows about Clementine because the aunt warned him that Clementine might come. Right. Knowing about this magical apartment, I guess. Yeah. And just assuming. Right. So. And so Ewan's cool about it because he was like, yeah, like your aunt told me you might show up. And Clementine's like, you can't stay here. And he's also very cool about that. He was like, look, this is your your aunt's place. Like, I'm not. He's more chill about it than I would be. Yeah. And then he, he like, comes back to get his toothbrush and she's like, actually, you can stay. But, like, I also have to stay here. My apartment is infested with pigeons. Yeah. 
Sure. <laughs> yeah, she makes up some excuse for why she she can't go home. Yeah. And so they spend a weekend together in this apartment, and he is just charming the pants off of her. Mm-hmm. He's like 25. He just mm, – he's moving to New York to become – a chef, but first he's got to be a dishwasher at this very fancy restaurant that he went to as a kid with his grandpa that inspired him to be a chef. So we get some, some very chef moments in this book, which are funny. Like my dad went to CIA, which is where he went. He obviously works in a restaurant. My fiance works in restaurants. It's like very weird. Yeah. At times. But also this man in this book was Jeremy Allen White for me. For sure. Who is very hot. Yeah, Uh, hot and tattooed. Hot and tattooed, kind of douchey line cook energy. Yeah. Unfortunately, it does work. Yeah, yeah. Ewan is nicer than Jeremy Allen White, (laughs) for sure. Yes. Nicer than... Jeremy Allen White in the bear. Yeah, exactly. Nicer than Carmi. Jeremy Allen White could be very pleasant. We have no idea. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, Jeremy, come on the pod. (laughs) We fucking pass away. <laughs> Ewan has a tattoo of a whisk behind his ear, which I find very cute. I thought it was so stupid. <laughs> it's stupid, but it's like, like in real life, I wouldn't think that was actually cute. But in the book, I'm like, okay, fine. It, it does have an exclama- explanation later where yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, they know it's a stupid tattoo. Great. Yeah. I thought it was one of those where it was like serious, like mm-hmm. Miles tattoos and My Killer Vacation with the skull on fire. I'll right. never forget. <laughs> he does have other very good tattoos. I had a note. When I was reading it, where it was like, bundle of herbs tattoo, good. Yeah. Whisk tattoo, bad. Yeah. He, it's like cilantro and other herbs, which is really cute. I know. I love that one. Yeah. I love cilantro. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I like the idea of a bundle of herbs being your your chefy tattoo without being too chefy. He does also have a butcher knife tattoo, which yeah. is required of every chef. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love like a food tattoo like that. That's funny. What would um, your food tattoo be? I don't know. If I had to go after- be a packet of Shin Ramen. <laughs> I was going to say. Or a soft serve ice cream cone. Soft serve ice I do like an ice cream cone. I know. I considered when Austin Tattoo Company was doing the 4th of July tattoos, they had a hot dog one I know. that I liked. The hot dog is funny. I can't feasibly put a hot dog on my body and leave yeah. it there, though. Yeah. Yeah, I would have to go somewhere no one would ever see it. Sonic mozzarella sticks. Don't even get me started. I know. <laughs> Don't bring me back. Katie had a traumatic experience with mozzarella sticks in Kansas City. They were empty. That's what happened. It's not even a good story. They were just empty. Yeah, it's not worth reliving. But yeah, there was not cheese in my mozzarella sticks. It's just stick. It was was just stick. It was really upsetting. And when we told Austin, he just goes, how does that even happen? I was like, exactly. I know. We had a lot of questions. It just evaporated. (laughs) The physics of it doesn't make any sense to me. Just evaporated into the fryer oil at the Sonic. Anyway, whatever. I don't know what my food tattoo would be. I'm trying, like, the things that I eat the most are, like, not very cute. Mm-hmm. Like, the- my first thought was, like, a peanut butter sandwich, but that's not, like, a cute tattoo. I know. You could get tomato tattoos. I do love a tomato. And you grow tomatoes. And, I- and we grow tomatoes. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, like, some kind of hot pepper. That'd be a good one. Or I, I really do. I mean, m- I like herbs. I like basil. Mm-hmm. I eat a lot of basil. Yeah, I do very much like the idea of an herb tattoo. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna think oh, that. lavender. Is that food enough? It's edible. It's edible. That can count. Sure. Because yeah. lavender is probably yeah. the thing that I consume 
that I get the most joy out of. Ugh. I know I really like lavender. I know you don't. No. Too floral. Yeah. Anyway. He makes her fajitas. He makes her very good fajitas. And it's, yeah, it's just all very lovely. Like, they just have this really lovely... At-home date yeah. of sorts. Yeah. And then basically the same thing the next night, except he, they make a frozen pizza, and then he makes lemon, lemon pie. pie. Fuck, I love his, a lemon pie. Me too. It's all I can think about now. <laughs> we should... <laughs> We should have got a lemon pie. I know. One of those Marie Calendar like frozen pies for breakfast. Fuck, that sounds so good. I know. We're doing a breakfast recording. I love so. those. I love those stupid Marie Calendar pies. Yeah, so they have frozen pizza, lemon pie, and they make out at the kitchen table over the lemon pie, which I had a lot of questions about the mechanics of the kissing over the table. It's really hard to kiss somebody over a table. Yeah. It's not comfortable. I'm picturing it being like a really small, like two seater mm, table. Yeah. Very artsy Not like comics. a full like dinner table. Yeah. 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 Like a bistro set. Like a bistro set. Exactly. That's exactly what I was picturing it yeah. being. Yeah. That would make sense. That's the only way this works. All right. We're going to, we're going to say that's what it is. Yeah. So yeah, they kiss and Clementine's like, fuck. I would also like to point out it is exactly one third into the book. Yep. 33% of the way through. Yep. Which is very early. I know. I thought it was going to be longer. Yeah. But because this, you know, technically this is sort of a dual timeline book. You're right. So. I didn't think about it that way, but you are absolutely right. We just have. It just feels like one timeline. Yeah. Yeah. So they kiss. Clementine's like, fuck, because her aunt had the rule of. Two rules. Two rules. Take off your shoes. Take off your shoes. And don't fall in love in the apartment. Because. Aunt Annalie had the same thing happen to her with a woman named Vera who lived in the apartment and they got to know each other over the years of going back and forth and they like fell in love, but it didn't work out. And it's kind of like sketchy. It's not sketchy. That's the wrong word. Well, they tried to meet up in the real world seven years later or whatever. And this was the other thing that reminded me of Mrs. Nash's Ashes mm. because they were in love, but one of them wanted, Vera wanted babies and a normal life. Yes. And Annalie wanted to travel the world and uh, adventure, yes. Yes. which was also very similar to Mrs. Nash's, Mrs. Nash's Ashes. Yes. You're right. Yeah. So lifestyles that were not super compatible, mm -hmm. basically, which mm -hmm. is- Sad, but realistic. Yeah. yeah, so then Clementine goes back into... Because when she leaves the apartment, she's in her normal everyday life. So she can still go to work and shit. Mm -hmm. But then when she goes back to the apartment, she goes back in time. This time she moves forward in time and stays there mm -hmm. for like two months or something. Yeah, it's like, like a, a while. Yeah, And so they're courting this fancy chef for this cookbook as as we talked about earlier, come to find out it's Ewan. Yes, who goes by his full name, James Ashton, which is definitely like a chef name. For sure. Ewan is his middle name. Mm -hmm. We find out later. He's like, my friends call me that, but I go by like my actual name professionally. I always have questions about people who have like a professional name. Like, is it confusing? Like Emma Stone is Emily. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, I don't know. I guess it's like having a nickname, though. Yeah. I know. Anyway. It's him. So 
they do this book rep- they do this proposal to get him to like pick their publishing house for his cookbook because it's a it's a hot commodity he's about to an- open this fancy new restaurant he's a hot chef everyone talks about how handsome he is yeah both both hot in terms of up and coming but hot literally he's he's a hot chef yeah and so then they have this meeting that he's at and he recognizes her instantly. Like, there's mm-hmm. this moment where their eyes meet and Clementine's like, fuck, of course he remembers me. Yeah. And he's, like, not himself. Like, the restaurant world has hardened, hardened him. him. Yeah. yeah. Basically. He's where become he's, a hardened head chef. Exactly. Where he's, like, talking about all these different, like, super fancy recipes, mm-hmm. whereas he was telling Clementine, like, food is about connection and it can be really simple and, like... Even a peanut butter sandwich can be a perfect meal because it's the memories connected to it that Mm -hmm. are important, not the food itself. And then he's at this meeting like, I have this sauce that I worked on for three days to put on a cut of steak. And so it's like Clementine's like, what happened to him? Like, this isn't him. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the meeting, he's like under his breath, like, nice to see you again, Lemon. And so it's like proof that – he remembered her, and she's just like a little Twitter pated. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, I haven't heard that word in a while. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I know it came out of me. <laughs> but then he passes on them as a publisher, and Clementine's like, "It's probably because of me." We find out that it is because of mm-hmm. her. She like runs it into his restaurant and like runs back into the kitchen. Horrifying. <laughs> it's oh a very god. stressful scene. Oh my god. <laughs> But it works. Yeah. She, get, she gets there, I guess. And he's like, Would, do you really think it's a good idea, us working together? And Clementine, like, delivers this speech. Because she she traveled back in time another time. Mm-hmm. And had a conversation with him where he was like, working in a kitchen is all about connection. Mm, yes. And then they make out again. And she moves forward in time and goes to find him in real life and is like, Remember what you said to me about connection seven Mm. years ago, a.k.a. a few hours ago? Yes, (laughs) that's right. Yes. And so he's like, okay, okay. And he gives them another chance. But this Mm. is a weird book publishing. This is so bananas. (laughs) Where they want all of the publishers who are, like, bidding on this book to go cook. Yeah. With him. To have a cooking class because he wants to see how the publishing teams interact with each other. You know what? I... I don't get it. And also, this is kind of my worst nightmare. I'm not a good cook. I have no knife skills. <laughs> I also have no knife skills. I'm the kind of good cook where I can, like, open the pantry and be like, I can make something out of this. I'm good with leftovers doing that. Mm, yeah, you really are. I made uh, some very good quesadillas a couple days ago with some Chewy's leftovers and some black beans that I scrounged up. So Nice. Um, I am... Low effort and impatient. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not as good at like following a recipe. Mm. I get impatient and distracted and bored. Yes. I don't find the joy in cooking like a lot of people do. Me neither. It is a means to an end. It is truly a chore. I like having cooked something like I like when I do a good job and it's really good and I'm like, yeah, that feels good, but I don't like the process of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And now that I think about it, what do I enjoy the process of? Not a lot of things. Yeah. I'm not a very patient person. I prefer baking to cooking. I do too. But I also like eating baked goods more than I like 
eating a plate of pasta or something I cooked. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. This is around the time in the book that we learn that the Ashley Post and Cinematic Universe exists. My God. (laughs) Was this jarring? (laughs) At first it happens very simply where there's like a reference about an Ann Nichols book, which Ann Nichols is the author for which Florence in The Dead Romantics was the ghostwriter. Mm-hmm. And so that one, I was like, oh, fun. That's that's fun. Yes. And Nichols, who's dead, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I guess still publishing. Yeah. Which, <laughs> sure. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Don't, don't read into that one too much. And then at one point, the friends talk about Benji mm-hmm. without naming him. Mm-hmm. And they're like, ooh, he's really hot. And Clementine's like, he has a fiance. Like, I can't date him. Oh, yeah. And then he shows up at this fucking cooking contest. Yeah. Which is wild. Yes. It's, like, almost too much. Like, they interact directly with each other, which, I don't know. Like, it wasn't bad, but it felt weird. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I love the little asides, but Mm -hmm. having actual Benji show up, I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. I know. It was like, I didn't, like, hate it, but yeah. It feels weird. Mm -hmm. It's like almost – it's not like the middle point of having like a full cinematic universe where, you know, like the well-met series where it's like – The characters cross over. Yeah. Yeah. Like it wasn't like fully like that. But there are – Benji makes like a couple appearances and like talks to our main characters in this one and it's – it's a little strange. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Also, I can't he's like out. a real person. At this point, we know him as a ghost mostly. Exactly. Yeah, it's like weird to picture just like normal Benji going about his day to day life, not in a coma. <laughs> also, he references his coma. Yeah, where he's like he talks. He says something like, "I don't remember what had happened that elicited this response," but he says something like, "Oh, I haven't been that surprised since a car knocked the spirit out of me, or yeah. whatever." Like. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Don't say that in front of people. It was weird. It, w- it was weird. Yeah. It was kind of a lot. I didn't hate it. You know, me noted Benji Andor fan. Yes. But yeah, that it was. Yeah, it was a little off putting. A little bit. But it was it did have me kind of kicking my little feet of like, oh, they all <laughs> live in the same world. That's well. cute. Wow. <laughs> I just like forgot they live in New York because we spend all of Dead Romantics in South Carolina. Right. And I was like, oh, shit, they live here. Right. Weird. Right. But, you know. Yeah. So then after the cooking class, Clementine and Ewan have like a interaction and they go to a fajita truck, which is the fajita truck that Ewan urged his friend to open, the friend mm-hmm. that he got the fajita recipe from that he made the yes. fajitas with. Yes. That first night. Yes. It's all very meta. Yeah. <laughs> the fajitas are great. Yeah. Obviously. They kind of like have dinner with his friends because they get there like as it's closing. So mm-hmm. they have like fajitas and beer. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice little scene. Mm-hmm. But then they, Ewan's friend drops that he was like pining for Clementine. Yeah. And James slash Ewan had introduced her as Lemon. Which right. Weird. Yeah. But it's like I get I get the nickname and like it's very funny, but it is it would be very strange if somebody came up to me and was like, This is my friend Lemon. I know, I'd be like, You're what? There's like a very one off joke in an early episode of Gilmore Girls where she's like meeting a bunch of kids at Chilton and one of them's like, My name's Lem and she's like, oh, Yeah, what is that short for? Lemon? It's like and I was like, Oh, it's that girl. <laughs> it's Lemon from Gilmore Girls. I forgot Girls. about that. That's so funny. Yeah. 
Yeah, I really love this fajita scene might be my favorite of the mm. book. It was just like re- like the friends, the two characters who own the food truck together are very sweet and mm-hmm. like a fun sort of like addition to this little world yep. that they're building. And I just really liked this part. We also get a major development in that we know now that Yuan knows the apartment is magical, mm-hmm. which we didn't know at this point, I, which was a huge relief to right. me. I was very worried the conflict was going to be her trying to explain about this magical apartment and him being like, right. well, I don't believe you. Right. You're crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I'm so glad we didn't have to do because I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we we know we learn that he knows about it in modern day. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know about it yet in the in past. the past. <laughs> this book is harder to talk about than it's I thought. It's really hard to talk about. <laughs> the good thing is, if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you've read the book, so hopefully our shitty job of explaining it is not getting in the way. <laughs> I'll say I did not get as lost as I thought I would in the book. No, it, it no. makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense within the world of the book, but yes. then when you try to explain it. You sound crazy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we learned that. They almost kiss at the subway station, but he's like, you're off limits. And she's like, yeah, you're right. Because yeah. they're about to work together. And yeah. it would be bad for both of their reputations if yeah. they were making out in front of the train. So. Yeah, because he's like so famous that he's like getting photographed and stuff. Like he's like recognizable. He's like hot public. young Gordon Ramsay, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So then she goes back. To the apartment, and she remains back in time, and they do it. They do it. So I had an ethical dilemma reading this part because going from hanging out, it almost feels like cheating even though it's not. Yeah. Because she's just gone on a date-ish with current day Ewan. Mm-hmm. And then she goes home and bangs seven years ago, Ewan. Mm-hmm. And they're the same. But I was like, this all feels, you don't feel weird about this? Because I feel weird about this. I didn't think about it too hard until they talk about it yeah. afterward. And then I was like, because it, it's also like, if you work backwards, present day Ewan knows that they bang at some and point. And has already slept with her. Yeah. And at that, she also, he also knows that she hasn't banged past him yet because at the truck right she says we've only we only kissed a couple times right and he gets this look on his face like no <laughs> nope we did other things yeah which i was like i knew that was gonna happen right obviously they have to bang at right. some point and so like i like i uh, it's weird when you think about it too hard but the yeah. theme of this book is don't think about it too hard don't think about it yeah please don't think about it but yeah i was just like i think if it were me in mm-hmm. this situation i would feel weirdly like i was cheating yeah my ethical dilemma with it is you are going back in time and you have a lot more information than this other person does yes also that and that fe- that feels like a weird consent thing that does feel like a weird consent thing yeah but also present day <laughs> he's clearly fine with it yeah so it's like we're supposed to be fine with it too i don't know yeah i we can't we gotta move on they bang that's <laughs> they, the important they do part. it it's lovely whatever <laughs> but after they have this like romantic night and morning together Iwan is like let's go do something and clementine clementine's like well fuck i can't leave the apartment but she's like can't explain that to him so mm-hmm. she kind of has to like go along with it and as he's trying to like pull her out of the apartment 
he disappears and she's suddenly back in the present day apartment. So it's like, presumably that's how he figures out that this apartment is weird. Right. Because, yeah, then the next, like we talked about earlier, the next time they see each other, he's like, okay, so. He sees. Do you exist? (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, when she goes back in the past the next time. He's like, what the fuck? Are you a ghost or whatever? Mm-hmm. But the- and she's like, kind of, I guess. <laughs> Hold on, Siri went off. So the next day in the present timeline, Clementine leaves the apartment and meets up with her friends and they go to the fajita truck. Yeah. She's like, wow, I found this new place. Whoa, isn't that cool? <laughs> and then she does tell them that she had dinner with him the night before there and they're kind of like, what? And they knew that he, they caught him, they caught her stalking his instagram yes shortly before so they're like "Ooh, clementine has a crush on the hot chef which yes yeah but she also sees iwan there and he's like sitting behind the truck and he's hung over and she's hung over and he sees a hickey on her neck this is very funny to me and he's like oh you have a hot date afterward and she's like she just like looks at him and he's like oh oh you did with me <laughs> That scene was weirdly hot. Like that moment where their yeah. eyes sort of connect and they're both like thinking about it. Like that was like, I read that and I was like, whoo. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird, but it was very hot and romantic. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, God, my brain is still broken of consent ethical dilemmas. This, yeah, <laughs> I was uh, I didn't expect us to have such a hard time talking about this book. I didn't either. <laughs> but here we are. Here we are. So now we get into kind of more of this stuff with her aunt and Clementine has gotten this letter in the mail from Vera, the woman who Annalie had fallen in love with, who used to live in the apartment. And presumably Vera doesn't know that Annalie has passed away. This is also about when we find out that Annalie committed suicide. Mm -hmm. So Clementine decides to go see Vera and kind of drop the letter back off. She doesn't open it and, you know, tell Vera, like, hey, she's passed away and mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, and what do we find out? Yeah, she's like, wow, there's some photos of some guy in, in Vera's apartment. He looks awful familiar. Who do you think it is? Yeah. And so she's Ewan's mom. And that is how he got linked up with Annalise's apartment to sublet. In the first place. Yes. We didn't really know that, like, Vera and Annalie were still, like, talking and connected as friends. Yeah. In the present slash past. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they were exchanging letters and things like that. Like, they were still, like, good friends. Mm-hmm. They just weren't romantically involved anymore. Yes. Yeah. So, yes, that's how Iwan came to the apartment. I, I'm sure you clocked it, but immediately when... Clementine walks in. She's like, do you want coffee? My son makes excellent coffee. I was like, God damn it. Yeah. Of course. That's kind of Ewan's thing whenever he like, he's always like up before her or whatever Mm -hmm. and like leaves a little note. That's like the coffee's hot. Mm -hmm. Which, wow, what a dream. What a dream. I'm the one that makes the coffee in my house. Well, you wake up first. I do. So that's Ryan doesn't drink coffee. I know. Which is still so weird to me. I know. Can you imagine him caffeinated though? No. Yeah, exactly. I don't it's need for, to. It's for all of our own yeah. good. <laughs> it's for the betterment of this household. Yes, exactly. That he's not caffeinated. So then not too long after that, um, James slash Ewan's new restaurant opens and it's like pretentious at hell, as hell. It's like 
I picture it being, since we're talking about the bear, I picture it being like that restaurant on the bear where it's like, how far are you in the second season? Like halfway maybe. Have you gotten to the the cousin, the episode about the cousin? The one with the Taylor Swift scene in it? Yes. Yeah. I picture it being like that restaurant. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like this like super just like everything is made into some sort of like foam, you know, like – which I I like a nice restaurant and I like an experimental restaurant, but there's a line. Have you ever done like a fourteen course like Michelin star sort of restaurant? I I mean I've done like you know like the like chefs tasting menus at nicer restaurants like mm-hmm. small plate restaurants. Yeah, and some of them are kind of funky and weird. Like you know at Barley Swine they have those like shiitake dumpling mushrooms or shiitake mushroom dumplings Mm -hmm. which are like experimental and weird as hell and they're like in scrambled eggs Mm -hmm. but they're like so good so like so i've done some stuff like that but it hasn't really veered into like the super weird yes like this okay so i have done where it very much virgin where it has crossed the line into pretentious Mm -hmm. three times Twice at March, which mm-hmm. is where Austin used to work, and it's in Houston, and it's very nice, mm-hmm. um, but it's like a tasting menu restaurant. And then when we went to D.C., and we went to Jean, oh, yeah. which was a fucking 14-course meal, and I thought I was going to die. I threw up later that night because I ate so much. <laughs> also, I was, like, violently hungover that yeah. day, so it was not a good time. Yeah. But it's like, I've had this conversation, I think, probably with you, but I've definitely had it with Austin, where it's like, I like, I really like like going to a nice restaurant and like having a long meal, but it's like, I want to have some sort of understanding of what I'm eating. Right. And when you go to restaurants like that, like it is an experience and you have to kind of like be all into it, but it's also like you have to listen and you have no concept of like what the food is. Right. Like at Jaunt, one of the courses was like abalone. And it's like, I've never eaten that before. Like I have no concept of what this is, except that it's a shellfish Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever. Same thing at, like, March where it was, like, focused on a region and, like, I don't know this food very well. Right. And so it's, like, almost, like, I can't name things that I ate at that meal because it's, like, you don't remember what they were because they're so complicated. And, like, yeah, it's a good meal, but, like, they're never the meals I have the most fun at. Right. And there's there's a difference between stuff like that and stuff like, you know, I was just talking about the shiitake mushroom dumplings. Like, mm-hmm. I know what a shiitake mushroom mm-hmm. is. Like, it's like – and even the stuff that, like, I don't know what it is, they, they generally do a good enough job of explaining it where it's like, oh, it's kind of like tuna or whatever. Yeah. Or, or like, it's this type of fish. And I'm like, okay, like, I don't really know what that is, but I can, like, right. take what you're saying and then take what I'm looking at on the plate and it makes sense to yes. me. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I've definitely had the conversation where it's like, I'd much rather just like go to a really nice like Italian restaurant or like French restaurant or like a steakhouse or whatever, where it's like, I have a concept of what a good version of this is and what a bad version of this is. And I can appreciate that this is the good version. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So this is what this was the 14 course like tasting menu. There's like, hold on, I'm gonna find Yeah, find some examples of what the food is. Okay, so all of the publishers are at the soft opening for Ewan's restaurant. And so it's definitely like a bunch of plates that are all kind of like one to two bites sort of thing. 
So like the first one is like a fish soup, black bass and flower blossoms, trout liver with fresh apples and fatty caramelized butter. I didn't know trouts had livers. Duck ragu. That I can understand. Mm -hmm. Amaranth toast with smoked roe and tartar sauce. Sounds great. I like roe and tartar sauce. A single cornbread hush puppy with a smoky yolk and knobs of pickled corn. Yeah, this is where you start to lose me. Pig's blood flatbread. Yep. I'll eat it. Don't understand it. Yogurt with marshmallows. This just reminded me. I know what that is. Yeah. (laughs) I know what yogurt is and I know what marshmallows are. Yeah. But it did just remind me of those like yogurt cups you get at the grocery store that sound like really fucking disgusting where you put like M&Ms on top of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ice cream with caramel drizzle. So it gets very simple. Right. But uh, and finally, there was a whisk of lemon flavored meringue on a crumbly graham cracker. Supposed to be his new rendition of a lemon pie, but as I ate it, all I could think about was the dessert Yuan and I shared at my aunt's kitchen table. Yeah. yeah. So it's like food without the like heart and soul that she knows of him of seven years ago. Right, which is all fine and good, except she's like, this is not who you are as a person, or this is not who I understand you to be. Like, what the fuck happened to you? Like, mm-hmm. where did all of this go? And which is basically what she says to him. Yes. After the fact. Yes. So she's like, she goes to the restroom and he's there and he can tell she doesn't like it. Like the restaurant itself is like very white and like she puts it in a good way where she's like, it's so white and bright that it feels like any mistake I make, everyone can see it, Mm. which is how I have felt in a lot of these like restaurants when I've gone with like Austin where it's like, I feel like a fucking moron who was raised in a barn, Mm. which is like, I wasn't. Right. Partially, I mean, partially, yes, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm no moron, but it's like going to places like that, like you feel stupid. And yeah, it's like, these places that have these unspoken, unwritten rules that yes. it seems like everyone knows but you. Yes, and it's almost like that's the point is they want you to feel stupid. Yeah. So, but yeah, she kind of like confronts him and is like, this isn't you. And he's kind of like, change can be good. Like, you can't hold me to a standard of who I was seven years ago. Which is also valid. Yeah. They're both Right. Right. But yeah, it's it's stressful and it's a bummer. So in the in the midst of this book kind of ongoing, one, her friends Drew and Fiona have a baby. Yeah. One of them goes into labor at the restaurant, which is what interrupts her and James's conversation is that I can't remember. Oh, Fiona is the one who's pregnant. Yeah. They're they're married. Drew and Fiona are two women who are married. Yes. And so Fiona yeah, Fiona's pregnant. And she, yeah, she goes into labor while they're at this 14 course. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a terrible place to go into labor, it sounds like. Yeah. So they go to the hospital. They have, they have their baby. Everything's great. But throughout this book, Clementine has kind of realized she's not very happy at her job, Mm -hmm. even though she's been there for a long time. She started painting again. She's a very talented painter. She does watercolors. She used to paint these travel guides and she starts doing that again. And then she realizes she doesn't want her promotion. And I kind of need us to stop reading books where people go through midlife crises with their careers yeah. and quit them. I know. <laughs> I yeah. find it extremely stressful. <laughs> I also do. Like, I'm happy for them, but it's it's stressful. Yes. Yeah, especially, yeah, it's, yeah, people quitting their jobs without other stuff to do, too, is just like, it's too much. Couldn't be us. Nope. Too much. Nope. But I'm happy for Clementine. Yep, good for her. And Clementine's boss is like, yeah, good for you, too. So that's nice for them. Yeah. Anyway, she tells her parents she quit her job. They are like, you know what? That's fine. Which, my God. (laughs) Okay. 
Anyway, they go to this cafe. Yeah. But they have the conversation where she tells her parents that she quit her job. And they're like, that's fine. But again, she also owns an apartment, so... Yeah, she's not, like, really in a dire financial situation. Yeah. Imagine owning an apartment in New York. I know. In what seems to be a pretty nice building. Yeah. So... With a with a really charming doorman. I love him. He reads he's mysteries. A, yeah, he, he reads a lot of James Patterson. Yeah. He's cute. <laughs> it's His really name's cute. Earl. Yeah, I love him. But after that conversation with her parents, she goes back to the apartment, which sends her back into the past... And she sees young Ewan for the last time because mm-hmm. um, he's about to leave the apartment. Yeah, he's like done with his summer subletting or mm-hmm. whatever. And then we also have this confusing moment where it turns out that Ewan is the whole reason she became a book publicist. Yeah. So Ewan, <laughs> I'm going to try to explain. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So yeah, go you you try. So Ewan is leaving his apartment or leaving the apartment. A- leaving the apartment. To go live with his friends who later opened the fajita truck. He, as he is leaving the apartment, Annalie and Clementine, 22-year-old Clementine, are coming back from their European trip. Mm-hmm. 22-year-old Clementine and young Ewan end up in the same cab. As Clementine is in this cab with Ewan, she's holding her travel guides that she's been painting in and she's like you know what i think it'd be cool to be a book publicist and like work with books and stuff like that and she's talking to ewan and he knowing that he has met future clementine and she is a book publicist says i think you'd be great and then she gets out and starts applying to a bunch of jobs so there's a lot happening and and current day clementine has only a vague recollection of this interaction does Mm -hmm. not know that it was Ewan. Yes. Like, we get sort of little hints of, like, she remembers some conversation happening in a cab. Like, that's mentioned once or twice. Sorry, oh. it just looks really cute. Oh, so Zier is inside out. I know. He's gonna get a sunburn. <laughs> like, there are a couple little mentions of this, like, cab ride that she shared, but there's no, like, indication that she knows yeah. who this is until much, much later. Which couldn't be me. I remember everything that has ever happened to me. But but would you remember the face of a... If I saw them again. Yeah. Probably. I would think. I'd like to think. Yeah, I guess for me it depends on, like... Because I feel like I remember, like, people really well mm-hmm. if I've had, like, a significant interaction Right, with like, them. this was such a significant interaction for her life that I would remember it, right. I would think. Yeah. I'm, I'm really bad with names. I'm okay with faces. But this was significant enough that I would remember it, I feel like. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to say, because seven years is also a really long time to remember one That's true too. interaction. But anyway, that's how that happened. Yeah. She and young Ewan, like, say goodbye before he leaves the apartment, too, mm-hmm. and meets younger Clementine. Yeah. It makes sense when you're reading the book, yes, we swear. exactly. <laughs> and as she's in the apartment in the past, she decides she's going to sell it, mm-hmm. which is really crazy to me. That's not where I expected this to go. Right. But she's sort of like, well, I don't have a job. I could use the money. And it's, like, really hard to be here. Mm-hmm. So, which... 
is like bananas to think about, but makes sense like emotionally. Yes. Yes, it does. But and financially. And financially. Yeah. How much does this apartment go for? Probably a lot of money. Probably a lot. It's got multiple rooms. Yeah. It's not a studio. Yeah. And so this is the point when her aunt comes in. That's a very confusing interaction. It's we don't even see the interaction. We just like see her walking right. in. Right. I have so many questions. Yeah. It's yeah, we know nothing about what or how any of this went down. And like, does Clementine just enter this universe like knowing the rules of time travel of like you can't change anything? Like because she also could have everyone knows the rules of time travel. I guess. <laughs> but like I was also thinking of it when she has the final conversation with Ewan where she's like I think it's going to work out for you. Like, she could have told him, like, hey, you're going to be famous and, right. like, the best chef ever or whatever. And could she, like, I don't know. That takes a lot of self-control. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. I'll tell anyone anything. Yep. Good for Clementine. We shouldn't be in this situation. Yeah, absolutely not. So, yeah, so her and her aunt presumably have some sort of conversation that we don't find out about. Yeah. Also, like, how do you leave that apartment after she walks in? I know. How long did she stay? I don't know. Like, knowing what we know, I guess, about her aunt's character, I imagine they have a very closure-type conversation, and I could picture her aunt being the type to be like, okay, now you have to go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We can't do this forever. Yeah. That's very, true. Very Barbie movie-coded. Oh. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Fuck, rip sorry, my heart out. Sorry, sorry, That just came to me. Please talk to us about the Barbie movie. Yeah, God. So one of the things that we that we learn earlier in the book is that Clementine goes to the Met on her birthday every year. I love this. Yeah, just to look at paintings. Van Gogh specifically. Van Gogh specifically. So unsurprisingly, it Clementine's birthday rolls around. She's at the Met and Ewan shows up because mm-hmm. he knows – where to find her. Yep. And he takes her back to his restaurant and he's changed it all around. What the fuck? I know. <laughs> he's installed new chandeliers. He's got different paint on the walls. Mm-hmm. It's less white. I think they even like maybe mentioned they swapped out like tables and like chairs. Yeah. It's like all cozier. That takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And it's like days in between the soft opening and sh- like shouldn't he be like finalizing a menu or something i don't know yeah i got a lot of questions about that too because that's wild also how much money does he have yeah presumably a lot or i bet he has big fat investors i know who are his big fat investors and i imagine gordon ramsay his (laughs) i imagine his star power is also such that he could be like we can change all of this around and get it done in three days or whatever you know like it doesn't logically make a lot of sense but you know famous rich people can do a lot of things that don't logically make sense. Silly rich people. Yep. And then they get back together happily ever after, sell the apartment. Yep. It's nice. It's nice. This is a good little, like, quick read, too. Yeah, it's a good... It's also, as I was rereading it, I was thinking it's a good summer melancholy kind of read because I don't know about you, but I am fucking... Not feeling it anymore. This I'm summer. fucking struggling. Yeah. It's hard. You know, I was telling somebody that 
last summer I had a really hard time mm-hmm. because it felt like I was the only one having a hard time. This year, everyone's having a hard time, and that yeah. has made it slightly easier, but... Well, because we're on, like, day 40 or whatever of 100-degree temperatures. We're fucking struggling. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, like, yesterday, yesterday, Ryan was like, let's, like, go on a date, and I'm like, I don't... Like, that sounds lovely, but I don't want to fucking leave the house. Yeah. I don't want to go anywhere. Yeah. I'm I'm having a rough time. Yeah. It's... Yeah, I'm just, like... I'm, like, angry. I've reached the anger point of the summer. I have, too. Like, it's suffocating. Yeah. And it's, like, it feels never-ending. And it feels like... This, this is one of... You know, I, we've both lived in Texas our entire lives. And this is one of the worst summers that I can remember. Or at least... It, I feel the... Like, I just can't remember... The last time, every time I went outside, I felt like my skin was on fire. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, it's just not, it's just not livable. Anyway, so this was a good book for that because I'm feeling very melancholy and this book <laughs> was very melancholy. Every time they mention it rained in the book, which like, it's not very often, it's like right. a couple times. I'm I like, was just- imagine that. <gasps> yeah, like that one day last week that it rained for like 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. I was like, I thought I was going to cry. I know, which is how I felt last summer too. I, <sighs> I think Madeline said like, this is a summer that's breaking me. Yeah. And I was like, I get it. I know. Literally yesterday, I was like, let's move. I can't do this anymore. I, I can't know. live here anymore. I know. It's tough. Yeah. We're having a hard time. And every year, I think... Not very kindly, but I think of the people who live here because they want to go outside year-round. And I was like, you fucking idiot. Yeah. You didn't know. You didn't know. And like – This is the trade-off. Yep. This is how it is. Like, sure, I'm sure winters in like fucking Montana or whatever are terrible, but is it worse than this? Well, what are you reading right now? I'm doing a book lover's reread because nice. I can't commit – One, most of my – all of my books are packed up. Nice. Because we're doing a vaguely slow move. It'll be done within a week, which is like – feels like the perfect amount of time kind yes of. it's like not fun but at least it's not gonna last that long so i need something that's on my kindle and also need a, like a comfort read because holy shit it's been a very like lots of really good things this summer but like consecutively to make it stressful a um, lot of things yeah a lot of things so book lovers reread nice what are you reading what fantasy novel are you on i am now on the throne of glass series starting with throne of glass great that i'm about 50 pages into so can't tell you anything about it because i don't know i just started it yeah but i am also listening to christina lauren's the true love experiment which is awesome oh i have it on my kindle it's it's really good you know i know we've we've been a little lukewarm on the last few christina lauren's but i this one feels a little bit more yeah classic christina mm-hmm. lauren Ooh. yeah okay it's really cute and it's sort of it's about a romance author it's dual perspective it's mm. about a romance author and then a guy who is like a, a documentary producer mm-hmm. and he gets assigned no more doc he does like climate change documentaries but he gets assigned a dating show and he casts her as the lead Interesting. And then, of course, they fall for each other. Uh, but it's really lo- – like, them falling, it's really lovely. Ooh. I keep forgetting that I have the arc for it, mm-hmm. and I haven't – like, it's downloaded. I just, like, keep forgetting. I really need to organize my Kindle. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm really liking it, mainly because they, they fall for each other pretty early. Mm. It's not sort of like, oh, they're avoiding it. Yeah. And not talking about – like, they talk about it from, like, very early yes. on in the book where they're, like – Hey, we're like into each other, but this is really complicated. Yeah. Because A, we we work together and B, you're on this show where you're supposed to be dating other people. 
And so most of the book, they're like already talking about and aware of their feelings for each other. And it's sort of this like push and pull of what they should or shouldn't do. Okay. Which I'm enjoying. I I truly forgot I had that one. Yeah, it's it's really good. Okay, I'm excited then. Yeah, my 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 favorite new Christina Lauren in a while. Really, probably okay. since In a Holidays. Oh yeah, which yeah. we do really love In a Holidays. Yeah, yeah, I'm liking this one. Mm. And I started this right fucking after that Bridget Morrissey, yeah. and I was like, <laughs> God damn it, that one fucked me up. Did it really? Yeah, that one was really upsetting for me. <laughs> Yeah. But did you like it? <laughs> I really liked it. Um I yeah, I I read it because we were cons- we were considering mm-hmm. doing Bridget Morrissey for for this, right? So I was like, well, I want since Abigail's read the other one, I want the context yeah. of having read this other one also. And so that's why I finally picked it up. And I was like, fuck me. I know. <laughs> it's a fun book though. Yeah. It's a cute cat. I was like, separate it. Yeah. Separate it. <laughs> The art from this, the life. This man, good. <laughs> this man, good. <laughs> anyway, I know some of the listeners have already read this book. And so I, like my friend Allie, who I know listens, said this was one of her favorites of the year. So let it, let us know what you think about it. Yeah. Noted Ashley Poston fans. I hope we did it vague justice trying to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, sorry it was confusing. Jesus. Yeah, we did not expect this to be so confusing when we talk about it. Yeah. But- but we gave it our best shot. We did. Hot Ghost was easier. Hot Ghost was easier. <laughs> easier than time traveling yeah. apartment. Yeah. But thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye.